Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Good afternoon. As you know, my name's Alex Jones. I am the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today I have the pleasure of introducing our special guests, Chloe Dallimore and Michelle Lim Davidson. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I wanna take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. They are fully equipped to assist with you building your superannuation. So please don't hesitate to contact contact them. If you don't have contact details, please let me know and I will give you the relevant details. Now, we're going to have an open chat. And in a minute, I'm gonna put the following question in the chat section, which is what do you want to get out of today's session? So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Okay, so now please welcome Chloe Delamore and Michelle Lim Davidson. Hi everyone, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Um, Chloe and I have got so much we want to talk about and cover. Um, We're hoping this is a session uh, that's informative uh, if this is your first time um, joining a discussion about intimacy coordinators and for and it's also kind of interesting for people who have also in the past worked with intimacy coordinators. So Chloe, um, I just wanted to quickly say thank you for making the time to chat to us today. Um, we know you're a very busy person and we've got a lot to cover. So I thought we might just crack into it straight away. What do you think? Thank you so much, Michelle. And I am here on Gadigal land um, of the of the Eora Nation, so here in Coogee. And welcome also to all of our uh, kia ora to our, our New Zealand counterparts. There are a few of you online today, and it's oh, this makes my heart so happy looking at this screen of beautiful faces and names. Thank you so much. And yes, as Michelle said, we had a a catch up yesterday, and we could have spent all day talking about this. So, because uh, I learned so much from Michelle, from what she sort of wanted to know as well. So this is this is really about sharing and and helping me learn um, as well, because um, the intimate landscape is constantly changing, and we're all learning how to do this work, um, do this work better. And in the little um, chat waterfall, I like to call it. If you're all popping what you would like to um, leave today with, that just helps Michelle and me to get a sense of anything that might be really important to you or any gaps that you're really wanting to fill in your in your understanding. So it gives us a sense of of why you're with us today. Thanks so much, Michelle. No worries. Well, I think um, a good place to start is by asking you, what is an intimacy coordinator? 
Ah, yes. Great question. Uh, so an intimacy coordinator is like a fight director or a fight coordinator. So if you had a fight scene and a director said, uh, Michelle and Chloe, we've got this scene. I'm going to give you a knife each. At the end of the scene, Chloe, you've got to stab Michelle and she's going to die. Look, just go for it. Mm. Something's going to go wrong. So same thing with intimate scenes. In a fight scene, we say, great. So the end point will be Chloe is going to stab Michelle. Let's talk through what the steps are in that fight. What's the power play? Uh, what are the characters doing? Why are they fighting? Um, what will make it creatively work for the storytelling? An intimacy coordinator does that for intimate scenes. And intimate scenes, of course, are anything that happens within that one meter circumference of our body. Before uh, COVID-19, we had to explain that a lot more, but most people now know what that intimate zone is. So it's not just intimacy coordinators don't just deal with sex and nudity. They deal with everything from bathing an elderly character in a bath, holding a baby, stroking a face, holding hands, yelling at someone in close proximity. All of those things are intimate. The word intimate sometimes gives the idea that it's soft and lovely or that it's about non-consensual sex, which commonly is called rape, but we, we prefer to call it um, non-consensual sex in the um, intimate landscape. But it involves anything that occurs in that one meter zone. Yeah, right. I think that's a really good point. Um, I think there's a tendency for people to think that intimate scenes, they go straight to maybe kissing or, or maybe mm. sex scenes. Um, but your job as an intimacy coordinator covers such a broad range uh, and spectrum. Um, and that, I think, is part of the reason why it's really crucial that we start implementing intimacy coordinators within our practice and our industry. Um, and we're going to touch a bit more on that later. Um, and I've noticed on the chat, there's lots of really um, great questions and kind of suggestions of what people are looking for. And I think a lot of the stuff we are hoping to cover today. So I'll try to get I'll try to get through it as much, <laughs> as quick as possible, um, so that we have time for detailed questions at the end. Um, I think another question I really wanted to ask you, um, just to help clarify this for a broader audience, why do you need an intimacy coordinator? And when should one be included? And you did touch upon that a little bit in your first um, response there, but I wonder if you can elaborate um, further upon that. Absolutely. So I, the longer I do this, I feel that we are, um, intimacy coordinators are there to be the ally for every department. So as we often know in both theatre and film and television, the departments often don't get to talk to one another often because of time constraints, especially in film and television, they're often quite disparate. Um, and so the intimacy coordinate, coordinator, and this is why we call them a coordinator rather than a director. The US does use the word, the term director 
um, they separate separate the term for film and television and theatre. But in Australia and New Zealand, we've chosen coordinator because that is literally what what we do. So whilst I've said that we help sculpt intimate scenes on set, that actually is often like that much of the job. The discussions and the coordinating of conversation prior to the day on set is probably like 98% of the work. So I often say that if I am on set and I look as if I'm doing nothing, then I've done my job well because I've done the rehearsals, I've done the blocking, I've done all of the conversations with art department, costume, first AD, director. We've had all of those conversations, everything from nudity writers with the actors through to the modesty items with, um, with costume, through to what's actually on the floor or what's on the walls, what, what's the furniture in the room with the art department, to checking with um, uh, the team that are looking after the temperature of the water in the um, specially built bathroom that a nude actor has to shower under. So there's so much that actually goes on in our work that is not just about the sculpting of that scene, which means we are actually an actor's best ally because we can kind of, I think of us like your onset agent where we can actually go and forensically find out all of those questions that are often going around in, a, in an actor's mind that we feel we're sometimes not allowed to ask um, because we want to do our job without being difficult. So mm. an intimacy coordinator can be the person that you can go to saying, I'm just, I'm just wondering in, in those scenes, do I have to be naked the whole time or can I sometimes have some other clothing on and what are my options and exactly how much of me is going to be exposed, et cetera. Um, so an intimacy coordinator should definitely be on set if there is nudity or simulated sex. That's to ensure that all of the conversations that have been had before with all those departments are upheld on the day. So the intimacy coordinator is there as sort of quality assurance for the actor and also to make sure that what has been agreed to beforehand is what occurs on the day. So an intimacy coordinator doesn't have to be there all the time for every single intimate moment but they will hopefully have instigated conversations around all of those moments that involve touch or being in the intimate zone. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, um, I've got some questions about, um, you know, about when um, an intimacy coordinator can't be present. Um, yeah. But I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just ask you this because I, I, this question first, because I think it leads into that um, discussion. Yep. What is the perfect world scenario for yeah. the intimacy coordinator um, for stage and television and film? Like, what is the best practice? And I should also say that we're talking, um, we may use the reference of a set as in like a, in a TV and film set, mm, mm. but we are talking about things that can be implemented in the theatre um, or in other performance spaces. So for shorthand, we are speaking mainly about set and those kinds of 
I guess, department labels, but it does, I think, extend across to theatre and live performance. Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. And thank you so much for clarifying that. So what I'll do is I'll actually give a best practice scenario of both theatre and then and then a film and television scenario because I know we've got practitioners from both worlds and we've got practitioners who are also working in, you know, performing arts land um, training landscapes as well, um, which I'm loving uh, sharing the work with so that they are skilled as, as sort of graduates so that they hopefully take the work out into the workplace because as you're saying, Michelle, yes, you won't always have an intimacy coordinator on set, but what I always or or in in the rehearsal room in theatre. But what I hope is that every time I do work with people, that they walk away with some extra skills that they can actually use to hold space when there isn't an intimacy coordinator. And we will slowly change culturally so that we always know that it's just a safety requirement, like in the fight scene, that we will always block a fight scene. We always block a dance number. We always block an intimate scene and we have the conversations. That it's not being precious and then you're not being funny and you're not being a prude. That you are doing your job because it's our workplace and we need to go home safe. So let's actually flip to theatre because I've talked about film a couple of times. So let's take theatre. So I'm about to start on a, um, a production next week, a theatre production next week. And so fortunately, we can do best, best, best practice scenario in this. So we will be bringing the whole cast, any um, crew and any stage management and any other department who would like to be involved are going to come together. I'm going to have a fun uh, one hour session where we actually work through uh, consent, what the consent um, process is, and create language that will be what is used by that whole company. So everyone's heard it. So even though the company manager and stage manager won't have to do any intimate scenes, they know what everyone is doing in the, um, in the rehearsal room and what is happening day-to-day -day on stage so it's kind of just like your safety briefing that you get from your stage manager or when you walk onto the stage on day one of tech it's exactly the same thing so we're just embedding a cross-company language and process so they will come together we'll do a fun one-hour session of what the consent work looks like really simplified because we'll go into depth with the specific people involved in it. It also helps the crew and um, stage management and company management understand the vulnerability that intimacy requires. So it puts them in a position where they go, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that was fun, but oh yeah, it can be really awkward. And I need to respect that. I need to respect that what they are doing for their job can be awkward and can be uncomfortable. What we do as performers is really brave. So nothing that we do is safe. So you'll hear that I will not use the word, I want everyone to be safe. I want them to be empowered. So this is not about intimacy coordination, it's not about making people safe. It's making people empowered to do the hard work that they have to do that day. So in order to be brave, we have to be vulnerable. And in order to be vulnerable, everyone in that space must be empowered. 
So we don't want to have conversations in the corner of, oh, are you getting an erection in this, you know, in this scene? Which happens. We hear, we've heard it, you know, particularly on, on, in crew set, in um, film sets, because intimacy can make people feel awkward. So let's be awkward and face that and have the conversations so it becomes just like those dance numbers and fight scenes. So everyone will therefore in that theater space have the language for the day-to-day -day working of intimate scenes. Uh, the correct language is used for all of the body parts. We don't have any um, colloquialisms, etc. Uh, we set the parameters for what is accepted behavior in regards to um, intimate scenes and intimate touch. And we also then set in to uh, process weekly check-ins for those intimate scenes, just like you would do in a fight check. So it becomes a safety check every week, might be every night, depending on the complexity of the scene. So that if anything starts to change from, from the original blocking of the intimate scene, can be addressed in a professional manner and no one gets offended, no one gets upset, and we can hopefully avoid any miscommunication and any assumptions because assumption is the mother of all stuff ups. I think those practical steps are really helpful for people to hear. And I know you're about to speak about film and television as well, but uh, th that kind of clarity is I guess it's less about we we know the good intentions behind having an intimacy coordinator. Um, and I think a lot of people, I think for, in my experience, the majority of people I've worked with um, want to do the right thing. And, mm. but they actually don't know what the steps are. So I think that's really it, helpful yeah. here. Yeah, probably one of the, one of the, probably some of the people I've gotten most contact from are stage managers who are going, how can I, how can I do this better for everyone? So this is about making everyone's jobs easier and clearer. And so we all know how to do this time efficiently and effectively. So in a, in a film scenario, perfect world would be to actually get, particularly if it's a, a series, a multi-episode series where you've got the same characters working together for a long period of time is to actually get the various groupings and the couplings of the actors together to actually do sessions so that we create a little toolkit for them for their particular relationship. So they actually have their own individualized character relationship toolkits so that what we're doing is we're not making we're not making the character's intimacy based on your personal intimacy yes of course you bring yourself to it but it's depersonalizing and characterizing the intimacy rather than chloe and michelle playing a role uh, playing a um a relationship and we end up just having to fall back on our default touch, which is what we would naturally do to one another, rather than going, okay, so what would these, you know, what would these characters actually do? What is their history? What would they do together? Which is far more interesting and also means that all of the relationships throughout the series 
physically look different. I know it sounds subtle, but you all know as actors, that's what makes the characters feel real. I think that's um like that's something I think is really fascinating because you can incorporate this as part of your artistic process. So yes, there is a technical element, but it isn't something necessarily needs to be thought of as separate. Of course, you know, that might be something further down the practice where you're able to do that, you know, integrate those two things much faster because you've got more experience working in that area. But yeah, I, I've heard, you know, people a bit kind of, oh, but that's just some, it's it's something different. And then I kind of feel like I'm out of the scene. I'm not in, in the right character headspace. So they're quite dismissive of doing that kind of work. But as you said, it, it, it can be linked. And that's the kind of practice that we're aiming for, especially if you're working without an intimacy coordinator being available, or if you've had an intimacy coordinator and they can't be there 24-7 across the shoot or across eight shows a week. So what you brought up there is really, really important too, is that if you're doing any, so if you don't have an intimacy coordinator, so oh, a couple of things. So my aim, as you're saying, Michelle, is that this is going to be a big cultural shift. So hopefully what will happen is that like we now expect a fight director to come in when we're doing a fight, it'll be like, oh, excuse me, intimacy coordinator, as opposed to, oh, I've heard about these. Uh, sorry, uh, why are you here? That it will just be uh, the intimacy coordinator is coming in on set and everyone just knows that they're going to have this opportunity to create that special layer in their acting process, which just adds to their whole, their whole experience in terms of characterization. So hopefully, yes, in five years, it'll be the norm. But if you don't have an intimacy coordinator, you want to make sure there is always a third person there. So that any of this, it's not about going away to your dressing room and exploring this privately or having a weekend away together and kind of exploring it. And, and these are things that actors have suggested totally well-meaningly. Like I totally understand where it comes from. But as soon as you remove yourself and you put yourself into a private space that's kind of almost making it worse because it's no longer it's moving even further away from a workplace scenario so getting a stage manager or a, a third ad or anyone that you can have there on set just witnessing and maybe jotting some notes down because as you're throwing ideas around you're often you often forget what you've suggested so always making sure there's a third party there or whether it's even another cast member just sitting there being present so that there's, again, the power play, there's no imbalance in power so that you are, you are able to be, you have someone there who sort of neutralises. Now, an intimacy coordinator is uh, the ideal scenario because they are literally Switzerland. So they are employed by the production, yes, but they're not there day to day. So they don't know the politics. They don't know who's had an argument with whom. They don't know who's sleeping with whom. They don't know, you know, who the little, you know, posses are. We just come in and go, right, we've got to get this done. So we're like your sort of your little, you know, United Nations neutral territory. And because we're kind of an entity on our own, we can be the people who can have the awkward conversations for you 
and can also be um, kind of a bit of a, a bit of a buffer. So an intimacy coordinator is ideal to create that really neutral third person. But if that's not possible, any other third person is going to be really um, vital. And ideally, if it's theatre, get a stage manager, ASM, DSM, get them to write notes. And then on film, television, uh, look, grab anyone, grab anyone, because sometimes it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to get any of those um, assistant directors. Sometimes it's just, you know, wigs and makeup. Can you just wait here while we talk this through? Yes, and I mean, of course, you 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 want to ask people for you know for consent of that too. You know, <laughs> you don't want to just throw someone in the deep end. Um, I'm really conscious of the time, and I've got we've got a lot to get through. I just wanted to make a, a, a quick observation: is that you know I've worked with an intimacy coordinator before on a theatre production, and one of our actors um, felt very comfortable with what mm -hmm. other people might have thought was a very intimate scene, and um, yeah. you know didn't feel like it was necessary, wasn't rude about it or anything, but didn't feel like it was necessary to participate in the work. And something that I think is good to always remind actors, creatives, you know, fellow crew performers, whatever, is that you never know what someone, what scars someone is carrying or, you know, anything about their kind of personal life or ex other work experiences. And so I think it's really important to try to participate fully if you're given the opportunity to work with an intimacy coordinator, um, because you, it's just one of those kind of practices that I think helps keep everyone safe. And I'm leading into this next question, which I, I think there's a follow-on from that observation I made of, could you just give us a bit of an idea of the guidelines that you were just talking about, how you've seen it make a difference or have an impact for actors, creatives, crew? I know there's been, you know, for many people, this is quite new, but I just wonder if you can just, you know, briefly speak about some of those the effects you've seen. Yeah, so over the last kind of three years, we've gone from being called in when things have gotten to crisis mode mm. and you've got actors who may not be talking to one another or a director and a writer at loggerheads or so you're doing band-aid work and that's not the ideal scenario because you're having to sort of backtrack and what's always a shame is that there's that precious time wasted because there's been lack of there's been lack of communication and it's always just about lack of communication <laughs> I remember a beautiful director when I came in one of those scenarios as I was talking to her she said oh so you're actually almost like a marriage counsellor. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's a marriage of all of these different people. And it's just kind of, it's working out how everyone works and what they want to hear. Some people are visual, they're, they're cerebral there. Um, so it's gone from coming in when it's in crisis mode. Then it sort of swung to actors starting to experience the positive results of an intimacy coordinator and starting to say um, this is you know brave actors probably with a little bit more profile who felt they were able to say have you thought about using an intimacy coordinator and I would get calls from employers saying look an actor's asked about you know intimacy coordinators I've heard about them you know it's kind of I don't really know what you do like what do you do to now it's become the proof is kind of in the pudding now for the employers 
So we're now actually written into quite a lot of the large employers' safety guidelines in regards to sexual harassment and bullying, interestingly. Not that we are actually about preventing sexual harassment and bullying. That's, that's sort of like a byproduct. But we've ended up now being called a lot more by the producers in advance. So we're now getting now we're now able to do more of that prep work to do that perfect scenario stuff that I was talking about earlier. Sometimes there's a feeling that there's a bit of box ticking going on for the for the employer. And some people say, yes, but the employer should be, you know, wanting to do the right thing. And I go, yep, I I know, but do you know what? If we're in the room, that's all I care about. So I don't care if I am part of some box ticking. If we are in the room, being the marriage counsellor for all of those different departments and individuals, I, I don't care. And as a result, as you say, Michelle, anyone who's been a bit resistant or hesitant, and yes, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard oh, well, the way I do intimate scenes, or oh, I'm fine with intimate scenes, or oh, I know you're here just to police. Um, that has started to move to the side a bit more. Yes, there has been resistance, but I think people have now seen that we are not there to police. We are there to facilitate and make your work better, to make everyone's work better. Yeah, I, I, just an observation of, you know, listening to what you were just saying before about band-aiding, about the intimacy coordinator being um, some kind of fixer when things are mm. bad. I, I think that it is worth considering intimacy from the beginning of a process, whether that's day four of a writer's room or a playwright in a creative development and yeah. I don't think it's wise to look upon it as something that could stop the creative process or put a roadblock in the storytelling. I just think that having an aware early in the process is really healthy. And certainly by the time you're in a pre-production for whether it's a theatre performance or a, a television show, that to me seems like it needs to be given the time and the money um, <laughs> and uh it will help kind of prevent the crisis scenario. Absolutely. And actually, since we talked about this yesterday, I um, it made me think of a scenario where this has actually um, a really positive outcome to this has occurred and where it's a, a long-running television production and I went in and did some consent touch work with a, a coupling and there was, because we're all human and we're all living our own lives day to day, we have stuff going on for us, right? And so in something that is a long running show where you are contracted for four years, your life does also need to be factored into that um, if we're looking at our mental wellness and our mental health. So working with this actor, there were real, um, there were parameters that the person didn't want to go past. And what was great was that I was able to go to the producer and say, without breaking any confidentiality, but able to say, can you tell me what that character's arc is for the next 12 weeks? 
and they were able to tell me and then I was able to say you need to be conscious that this actor shouldn't have xyz written into their script for at least the next 12 weeks and we need to check in again in 12 weeks mm -hmm. so that to me and they went oh great yep we can easily do that so that to me was so um wasn't until afterwards that I, I realised that that actor would not have felt they could say that to anyone else. But the producer actually wanted to hear how they can be better. So to be able to say that to the writers, yeah. it, that makes me feel really good about, about what we're doing. So it, yes, you're absolutely right, Michelle. It goes beyond just the, it goes beyond just, you know, the day-to-day -day, um, scenes. It's about consulting with writers and and um, consulting with other people and bringing other people into the conversation right from the outset. Yeah, um, it's it's really uh, it's a really good point. Um, it actually leads me what you're saying into my next question quite conveniently. Um, as an actor when can you ask for an intimacy coordinator? Mm -hmm. I think there's a tendency, and I know myself personally, oh no, you know, like I, I don't want to be difficult. And there's a second part of that question. So the first one is, you know, you know, when can I ask for an intimacy coordinator? But also what are the credentials and the qualifications that I should be looking for or a producer or anyone should be looking for if uh, when they're trying to find a, uh, a professional intimacy coordinator and I ask this because I've heard of some we've touched a little bit on this and I don't want to spend too much time on it but I've heard of some nightmare kind of situations of like some people claiming to be intimacy coordinators or have done a weekend workshop and blah 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 um, and it's got into in my opinion what sounds like kind of some weird pseudo psychology like totally inappropriate behavior so yeah I'm just wondering I know that's a two-point question that, um, and I, I do want to get through another couple of things but if, I wonder if you can just quickly yeah. ask that. yeah no really great I'm going to do that first one first because it's fresh in my mind with the thought spinning so yes and I hear those frightening stories too and I've also been told that uh, I've when I'm brought in on set late it's usually because someone's had a horror story and I ask to hear the horror story because I I need to know. So yes, so an intimacy coordinator should be accredited by one of the professional accreditation uh, registered organizations. There are three at the moment, intimacy directors and coordinators based in the US, which is Alicia Rodas, who's just run the, the beautiful scholarships under the funding of the Equity Foundation and beautiful Kate Wormold is, is there. She's um, one, of, one of those beautiful participants. Also Intimacy On Set, with whom I trained, Eater O'Brien in the UK, and Amanda Blumenthal from uh, Intimacy Professionals. It's a, it's either of America or association. It's IPA, Amanda Blumenthal. Those three women I, I work with a lot and I, I do continued, uh, continued mentoring and upskilling, et cetera, with, with all of those, with all of those women. There are some other, a couple of others that are uh, university-based recognition as well. They're not off the top of my head, but every intimacy coordinator should have an accreditation. It involves really serious training, mentoring, uh, apprenticeship, 
10 years, at least 10 years experience in the industry in either movement or, um, or acting or some uh, aspect of, of being in front of the camera or on the stage. So 10 years minimum experience, because as you can hear, a lot of it is about being conscious, aware, reading body language, being neutral and bringing everyone into your space. So it's, it's a huge responsibility. And there was something else that went through my head. You said about I just, yeah, I guess it's because I asked you a second part of that question about, mm. you know, when can you ask for an intimacy yes. But I also think that's closely tied to, you know, when can I ask? But also, and I've seen a lot of um, people commenting on the chat about, you know, what to do when there is no intimacy coordinator. And we did cover a little bit of that mm. earlier. But I wonder as well in this response, if you can reflect a little bit upon um, something we've discussed about budget, about yeah. and um, Thank you. Oh, thank you. That was the point. Yes, thank you. That was <laughs> wanted to cover today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'll also clarify, yes, we are not therapists. So we are practitioners. And this was the other point I wanted to mention that I work alongside. So I have over the last three years, I've found uh, people who specialize in different areas that I need to consult with in order to share information with actors and directors and writers. So for example, I'm starting on a film which has a lot of minors, so children under the age of, under the age of 16. So um, I have a beautiful child psychologist that I work alongside. She's actually coming on board on the production. I work with sex therapists sex psychologists, people who have expertise in uh, gender-specific experience. So always reaching out to people, never, ever assume, I never assume that, and I cannot ever know everything. So you look at a project and you go, who are the other people I need to get on board here? And what do I need to empower everyone with? Um, so we, are, we collaborate with other people who are experts in their fields but we are not therapists and we are not psychologists. That, that's not the job of an intimacy coordinator. The coordinator is practically based, but draws on the experience of other people specialized in the, in the field of whatever your scene or your production might be entailing. And then we're talking about if, if, an, if you don't have the budget for an intimacy coordinator, yeah. can you please just contact us? Because it should never your budget should never inhibit you from accessing an intimacy coordinator. There are only a few of us at the moment about to be more of us and we will do the work because we would rather do the work for you for free and have the work done, experienced and getting out there than feeling that you are constrained by budget. So please, 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 Intimacy Coordinators Australia, Michaela Bannis, Nigel Poulton and I established that website simply as a resource for just for information because we were getting the same questions over and over again. So intimacycoordinatorsaustralia.com. So contact us there and we will find someone to help you. If you don't have a budget, please reach out. What, and what I would say is that you're not saying <laughs> if you don't have the means, that means it's an excuse for you not to do correct procedure and hire uh, and set aside a reasonable portion of your budget to 
hire uh, and work with an intimacy coordinator. We're not suggesting that, but what we're suggesting, I think, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is mm -hmm. that this is something that is a practice that we are gradually incorporating into our industry, into our arts practice, mm -hmm. and you're better off doing it at the moment than not at all. Uh, and so I'm, I know I noticed Alex in the chat is going to put links, you know, for you to read about. Um, and, you know, I really encourage people to kind of do that in, um, you know, your own time. And any questions, of course, you've said, you know, fire through to um, someone like yourself. Okay, I want to leave time for questions. And I, I've picked up on a couple of themes that I wanted to touch on. But what I also just wanted to wondered if you could cover a little bit because there's a lot of chat um of course about COVID in, yeah. um, and I wonder if you can cover two areas in one answer Chloe. <laughs> um, we, we, we haven't got a lot of time to speak about kind of a director's responsibility and casting directors and I've noticed there seems to be um you know among my friends and colleagues a sense that casting directors or directors can ask people to do intimate scenes within even yeah. auditions, yeah. Yeah. Um, even chemistry tests, which I know are kind of further down the line or a callback scenario. Um, and of course, just say, I give you the example of you're going to an ad casting and you need to kiss your wife or kiss your husband or whatever the scenario is. What, what do you do? <laughs> and what do you suggest is especially in living in a COVID world, what are some of the practices, the practical implements we can do in order to keep everyone safe? Yeah, awesome. And your face said it all when you kind of, yes. <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, big agencies. Um, I, I hear this, and it comes up when I have the the one-on-one -on -one conversation with, uh, with actors, they'll say, um, well, I mean, when we did the chemistry test, I mean, we did some kissing and I go, what? You what? We're in the COVID landscape. You haven't got the job and you are kissing someone that you don't know. <laughs> what part of that is okay? Let's not. Um, so uh, on the MIA website, you will find that the guidelines for best practice for um, auditions, pre-production, et cetera. So any producers or casting directors, et cetera, out there who sort of want to see the you know black and white guidelines around that knock yourself out I think it's only uh, it's it's a smallish document uh, but it's it's full of lots of really helpful info but in a nutshell you can do a chemistry test without having to kiss anyone or touch them we all know that just being in that proximity a camera can pick that up so we can see it even if they're standing at a distance like a, a chemistry test does not require kissing and in the COVID landscape that legally should not be happening um, because for example on set in the theatre in the rehearsal room people have to be COVID tested uh, multiple times a week we're now also introducing the possibility of giving actors the opportunity for rapid antigen testing on the day of um, of filming so and again this is all changing week by week day by day uh, but the most recent production I'm doing, rapid antigen testing is now a new option. So you should not be being asked to kiss or do any intimate touch in any casting. You haven't got the job. Why would you, why would you risk that? 
One thing you said to me when we were discussing um, the, you can say to the casting agent, this doesn't follow the guidelines. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, them back yeah. to the, the infrastructure. So it, it's hard, you know, you're talking about empowering actors and, you know, I was talking about not wanting to feel difficult or just, you know, uh, being um, under pressure. We're losing light. We're losing light. We've just got to do it. Just do it. It's like two minutes of your life. Just take a shirt off, you know, like totally. pressure scenarios that you feel like. And um, sometimes I do think it helps when you can refer to something structural. Yes. Um, so also, so let's take this back another step. Let's start, um, and this is the next group that I want to, to help empower, are your agents. Let's have this conversation with your agents. So your agents are asking the question. So when the question gets asked, people start to think about it. So if your agent is saying about a chemistry test, great. So I'm just checking that according to the MEAA intimacy guidelines and COVID safe practice, there won't be any need for um, intimate touch, kissing, etc. So you don't even have to walk into that room and have that conversation. Let's pull it back that step, step earlier. And then if the casting director hasn't thought about it, they've got the opportunity to go, oh, shivers. Yeah, no, good point. So let's help one another because sometimes it's literally that, you know, we've been doing things a certain way for so long that it's now just about going, um, I think we could do it better. So let's, we don't have to... Um, uh, you know, uh, make the, the casting director feel bad, just go, could we do it? Can we do this 2021 style? Absolutely. And I think if you're not represented as well, that that is a really great kind of guideline. So you don't have to give the casting agent, uh, you know, an essay about your life and about all the reasons why you're uncomfortable. There is structure there for you to be able to um, have a really healthy conversation um, and then you can make decisions um, from that point so you feel empowered within the situation. Absolutely. This is brought up about about other uh, things like cold sores and so on and we deal with that absolutely in, in intimate stuff. So there are always solutions and yes, and, and health, physical health is so important in their conversations that we have. And we have conversations around menstruation and conversations around, you know, um, all of those sorts of things involving nudity and, um, and so on. So, um, so yes. Um, I just wonder in the last kind of we've got, let me see, eight minutes. Um, so I'm gonna go <laughs> to the chat. Um, I apologize if I can't get to everyone. I've, I've tried to incorporate uh, a lot of questions broadly within the discussion. Yeah, actually, I, I, I do think we do need to spend a little bit more time about um, especially, you know, how we're going to be perceived as um, actors. You know, we talked a little bit about not wanting to be difficult, um, but it is a really high pressure situation and it can be just so uncomfortable. Like I know I've experienced it myself on set where um, I felt pressured into doing something I, I wasn't comfortable with um, and I had actually had done all the best practice beforehand. I'd had the discussion. I do have an agent. That agent had spoke to the producer. The producer had come to speak to me and apologise in advance for what was being proposed being filmed that wasn't in my contract. Yet huh. at 5.45 as the sun goes down, 
what do you, you know, you, you can be in, like I found that a really uncomfortable scenario. So I wonder if you can, you know, help, if there's anything you can suggest that helps people because mm -hmm. it is, it's a terrible situation and you suddenly start catastrophizing like, and it can be very real for some people. I'm not going to work again. They're never going to hire me. That casting agent's going to think I'm, you know, really annoying. Whatever the yeah. scenario is, it's a really yeah. important yeah. issue. You're so right, Michelle. And Paul, um, beautiful Paul Capsis has brought that up there too. He said, the danger in how we are perceived by the director or the casting director, this is a real pressure we all face. Very tricky to negotiate. Absolutely. However, if we're all doing it incrementally, it will start to change. So that situation that you're talking about, Michelle, yes, it's still unfortunately going to happen where you're rushed. If someone like me is not there to to stop that action from happening. Um, and there are numerous occasions where I've literally had to jump in front of a set because <laughs> I know they're not going to film me standing like a starfish in front of the set and say, I'm so sorry to be this person, but this doesn't look like a closed set because it's gotten to that part of the day where the, you know, they've tried to get a wide shot, the, the um, screening has been pulled apart and they go, oh, we just won't pull that back in. We'll just get this shot again. But we've got 15 nude women on a set. So an intimacy coordinator will, will hopefully stop those things, whether the sun's going down or not. And we have, and we get yelled at, but it's better that we get yelled at than you. Because bottom line, when it comes to the crunch, the producer will say, Whatever the intimacy coordinator says in relation to actor well-being goes because they don't want to be sued. So that's where we are your best friend because we can jump in and be the nasty pasty because the producer doesn't want to be on the front pages because someone has sued them because they felt exposed, et cetera, et cetera. So... Yeah, yeah. I guess, as you said, it's so helpful to have that third party there. And I know from my personal experience, something that's helped me, and I'm by no means an expert on the subject, is knowing that it is my right not to be made to feel uncomfortable at work. I'm doing nothing wrong. I've turned up, I've done my job. And sometimes that kind of I, I call it part of the, the bank of Michelle, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, where I, I put all those kinds of things into to help me, you know, work at my best. It's like, it's kind of like my own little cheerleader. It's my right to feel safe at work. I am not being difficult by suggesting you should not pull my pants down to expose my bottom. Um, it isn't actually part of my job to accept those things. And just even just reminding yourself that your feelings are valid and our job is quite strange. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, something we didn't quite have um, a, a lot of time. You might be able to quickly speak to it a, a little bit about just kind of what you're asking yourself as an act to do and, and the process mm. that you're going through, doing big emotions and stuff. And certainly it's our job and it's what we all really, mm. really want to do. It's it's not about that. It's not about people's particular methodologies, whether they're a um, method actor or it's nothing to do with that. We're talking about simple kind of 
I guess, basic rights at work. So, uh, yeah, I just wonder if you can reflect upon that a little bit. Well, I think what is starting to happen is people like yourself who have uh, who have profile when so anyone on this call who who knows that they may have a little bit more um, power in the room, you can help empower for other actors who may not feel that they can say, wait a second, this doesn't feel right, um, because I will often get calls or emails on productions that I'm not working on that. Uh, where an actor will reach out and say um, and say so and so who will be an actor that I've worked with previously has suggested I reach out to you to ask how I approach this because there's now suddenly a scene that I didn't realize I was going to have to do and we can always find ways of navigating it um, I think it's a case of I think it's a case of us all working together to try to to try to mitigate the scenarios that we've all had that were not ideal so that if there isn't a, an intimacy coordinator there that hopefully within the next couple of years when anyone says I'm so sorry I'm not feeling comfortable right now can we talk about this will not get eye rolling and will be taken seriously it's going to take some time and it's going to take some of us being uh, those of us who feel we can speak up speak up and and educating my next step is to educate uh, agents who are very quick to let people do jobs without nudity writers without nudity clauses just because they want their client to get the job casting directors stage managers first ADs so we all start to understand that sometimes the light will be going down or something will take a bit longer because yeah I get that I get that language that happened recently all that took longer than I expected and I had to say that actor wasn't even able to hug their partner at the beginning of today and the act and the director went oh so this sort of getting people out of their microcosm of we've got to get this job done we've got to get it done we will all individually incrementally begin to change it and we also have intimacy coordinators being trained of different cultural diversity different um different um gender and sexuality identification it's all of that is going to be really important in the intimacy landscape as well so we're all we kind of all have to sign up to doing our little bit, which will eventually lead to like my dream is in like five to 10 years, we will look back on this conversation and go, of course we have the intimacy session at the beginning of shooting and at the beginning of a, um, you know, beginning of a, um, production uh, you know production yeah we need to finish up and I, and I apologize that we weren't able to get to everyone's questions I think it's a really good note to to leave it on it's not just an individual responsibility it is a collective responsibility and if you see maybe a fellow colleague in distress or you know whatever the scenario is I think you know we can all play our part by being there for each other as well um, and I think if there's anything the arts community is wonderful at it is collective I guess, responsibility and care. Um, I just want to say this work as an intimacy coordinator is continuing, you know, as more, as this work is practiced more, the skills and um, the guidelines will keep developing. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what the future holds for this, 
for this practice. And I just want to say thank you very much for everyone for participating in the discussion mm -hmm. today. Um, and we hope that you've been able to get something out of it. I want to thank Michelle and Chloe for this wonderful session. So thank you and everyone for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Thanks. Alex, for everything. Thanks, Michelle. Beautiful Thanks, job. Chloe. You're Likewise. amazing. Thank you thank very you. much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very you. much. <laughs> Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.